I am Neil Edwards, and this is The Leadership Range, where we elevate the voices of black and brown coaches, leaders and allies, and have soulful conversations about all things at the intersections of leadership, relationships and teams, well-being and inclusion. Here I offer deep insights and practical tips for work and life. Brothers and sisters, too many black people are stuck in a perpetual cycle of self deprecation because of slavery and all forms of oppression and marginalization ever since. This internalized racism, as you know, supports the supremacy and dominance of the dominating groups. One of the things that needs to change is black people need to stop giving up personal power. Another thing that needs to happen is accomplices, allies, all people in positions of authority need to stop taking black people's personal power away. That needs to stop. It is disrespectful, it is destructive, and it is inhumane. Now, of course, some people who are white, if we frame this around racism, want to take away power from others. I'm not talking to them, and that's not my work to do. I am talking to people who are white and either lose their center or maybe don't recognize they're doing it, but are also open to growth and change. There is always room to learn, of course. So black people, white people, all leaders need to look here for their part to play. I spoke about personal power before in episode three on leadership and full expression. You might remember I called it self-sovereignty. This notion of personal power, keeping it and not taking it away from others, is crucial in our work to building a kinder, more just society. One which happens to find its way into professional workspaces and reproduces harm. What's interesting is this, this trading of power between those who give it up and those who take it away often happens in subtle and what seems to be an unspoken agreement between black people and white people at work. Now, I'm not speaking from a position of formal scholarship as an expert with, with a terminal degree, you know, a PhD. I'm speaking to this from my lived black Caribbean immigrant experiences, from feedback I've received from my training and development as a coach and leader developer. So this is life and, and professional practice talking, uh, but it's not void of knowledge or context. Nonetheless, I did do a little armchair research to verify I was not talking nonsense. You can look around at things like positive and negative power and covert negative power and do your own research. I, I've actually studied personal power through emotional, social, and relationship systems intelligence. So I'm not coming at this from nowhere. Now, this is crucial. It's crucial because there is so much good work going on to develop better leaders, more inclusive leaders, to reconcile the problems produced by centuries of harm, to fix our workplaces, our, our communities, to produce business results and elevate our personal and economic 
existence. I could go on and on, but it is just better and the right thing for leaders to behave in life-affirming ways rather than harmful and destructive ways. And giving up or taking personal power is destructive. So this is simple or simple-ish. I am going to frame personal power connected to identity, to respect, to self-respect and self-worth. But in particular, I'm going to invite you to look at deference. I am using deference as a lens because it has come up for me over the last 15 or more years. And what it means in this context of leadership and inclusive leadership has been crystallizing over the last six to eight years for me. I'm going to use a couple of short stories. I'll try to keep them tight um, to support what I'm saying. One of them is personal and, and one is in the news. I might meander a little bit. My brain likes to do that sometimes, um, and sometimes that's a good thing. To start this out, I'm going to share two quotes, and then I'm going to give you some definitions around personal power. And the reason I want to give you two quotes is one is for those who are in dominant groups, and the other one, the second one, is for black people. So... I have never been able to conceive how any rational being could propose happiness to himself from the existence of power over others. Thomas Jefferson The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Alice Walker I've shared that second quote before. So let me frame up personal power. This definition comes out of Emotional intelligence, the personal competencies of emotional intelligence. And this first one is my framing under self-awareness. Personal power is a strong sense of one's self-worth and capabilities. Having self-confidence, knowing that you can meet life's challenges. Here's a second definition, and this is from the work of Dr. Laura Belston, who is the founder of the Institute for Social and emotional intelligence. So personal power, a sense of self-confidence and an inner knowing that you can meet life's challenges and live the life you choose. The ability to have the difficult conversations in life and to speak your truth quietly, sincerely, assertively, and appropriately. People with this competence have a calm inner conviction about who they are and their ability to get the things they want and need in life. Believe they can set the direction of their lives and do. Are able to distinguish between the things they have control over in life and those they do not. And don't stress over the latter. Define themselves from the inside out. I am capable. I'm good at managing setbacks. I'm pretty good at managing conflicts. I am creative, rather than from the outside in. I am vice president. I am banker. I am lawyer. I am doctor. They make things happen. Don't believe in fate. Feel in control of their lives. Know what they want and can go after it. Are confident in themselves and can speak their truth and give voice to their convictions. People who lack personal power avoid confrontations with people, 
even to get a problem resolved or when the confrontation might be best in the long run. Have difficulty speaking truth to power, lack confidence in their own judgment, avoid going to the heart of an issue, hesitate to try new things, have difficulty defending their ideas, avoid challenges, give in too readily, question their own ability, often feel powerless, don't take risks or chances, even moderate ones, are unable to set boundaries or demand respectful treatment from others. Pretty damning. Everybody has a little bit of work to do. And this is especially nuanced when we're talking about people who've been historically marginalized. Uh, I think some of these things are quite a challenge for people who've been historically marginalized or black in the workplace. But nonetheless, that's the definition of personal power. So let's get to story number one. This is about me uh, in the workplace. I was on a team of about 20 people or so. There was one other black man, and, and we'd known each other for about two to three months at the time. We had had a few connection calls to, to get to know each other. After a team meeting one day, he messaged me and he said, we need to talk. So we set time aside and we got on a video call. I said, what's up? He said, brother, I've been watching you in these meetings and you don't give these people any deference. How do you do that? So I say something like, what you mean? In my broken down Bahamian way. He paused and he said, I know a few other brothers from the islands and it's the same thing. You all take a seat like you belong. Talk like you belong. And it doesn't phase you when they get uncomfortable. I don't do that. That stuff might come back around. I don't do that. I didn't learn to do that, he said. Now, I didn't think I learned to do that either, but maybe I did and I didn't know. Or maybe I didn't learn I was supposed to give deference to white people just because they are white. Story number two. And this is less of a story. This just comes right out of the headlines. Some of you might have seen it. Dr. Carrie Rosario was requesting a public official to call her Dr. Carrie Rosario. And the public official, Mr. Tim Collins, in the public meeting refused to call her doctor. Even after Dr. Rosario's repeated respectful requests, he told her it doesn't matter. Earlier, another commissioner made a similar error and apologized immediately. Tim Collins got removed from the commission as a result of his behavior. Now, I'm certain that there, there is probably some intersectional dynamics going on in that, uh, from that headline in that second story, but nonetheless, the point is the same. My black colleague from the first story observed me not giving up my personal power through deference, where he might have habitually given up his, and based solely on his observation of me and others from the islands, we can infer that we happen to have not been socialized to give up our personal power to white people because they're white. Whereas he may have been, having been born and raised in the U.S. Uh, as black, and maybe there are other circumstances. Of course, nothing is 100%, but I have experienced this kind of pattern in my career, and it took time to make sense of it. In the second story, and, and you should search for the video, it was from Greensboro, North Carolina, but in the second story, 
you'll see a black woman recognizing when a white man is trying to take away her personal power and then standing her ground, her self-sovereignty, and requesting, giving him the respect of being human and also in, a, in an official position and calmly but certainly holding on to her personal power. She was using referent power as a tool to do it, which is unfortunate that she apparently needed to have a PhD to maintain her personal power and her humanity in, in a conversation with a white man, but she did what she needed to do to interrupt what will certainly be framed as racist and sexist, and arguably the two most damaging isms in society getting in the way of equity and justice. If we cannot have equitable conversations, how can we possibly have equitable workplaces and communities? We need better leaders. We need more inclusive leaders. And people need to pause, open up, and learn how to grow. I'm going to bring this to a close with a check on deference. I understand that deference has multiple denotations and connotations. I am speaking from the denotation of acknowledged superior claims, skill, judgment, or other qualities of another. And we can do deference in unhealthy ways, like those associated with the connotations and aspects that would be represented in a relationship between the enslaved and the master that, that may play out even today, uh, in today's world and in the workplace in unhealthy ways. Or we can do deference in healthy ways that honors everyone's humanity. And we saw that in the second example. I'll leave you with two quotes that highlight each of these uh, perspectives. First quote, Horace Greeley. On the face of this wide earth, Mr. President, there is not one intelligent champion of the Union cause who does not feel that the rebellion, if crushed tomorrow, would be renewed if slavery were left in full vigor, and that every hour of deference to slavery is an hour of added and deepened peril to the Union. Unquote. Second quote, William Hazlitt. A gentleman is one who understands and shows every mark of deference to the claims of self-love in others, and exacts it in return from them. Unquote. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Leadership Range. If you enjoyed the episode, I invite you to peruse the others for more great conversations. If you know someone you think ought to be on the podcast, please send me an email at neil at neiledwardscoaching.com. To connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash nedwards07. I look forward to you joining in for more conversations each Monday on The Leadership Range.